Episode 111, James Sinclair. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki, and I'm back with a fast loaded episode that helps all of us to get recentered to our core role as leaders, and that is to leverage the blessing that has been granted to us to help others. It is an honor and a privilege to get to lead. And James Sinclair is with us today. James Sinclair is the chief executive and co-founder of Enterprise Alumni, the market-leading alumni and retiree engagement platform. Their software powers the corporate alumni networks of both medium-sized businesses and the world's largest companies, including Google, LinkedIn, Citi, and Coca-Cola, leveraging a vast untapped pool of people for talent, sales, marketing, and community. His backstory to get to this topic that we're talking about today is powerful and vulnerable, and I can't wait to share him with you. James, I'm so excited to talk about leadership as a privilege with you today, because it is a privilege to lead our employees. And I'm just so curious to kick off our episode. How did your leadership journey get you to a place that makes this statement one of your most passionate messages? Thanks, Nikki. And such a good question. The answer is a lot of ups and downs. Uh, It took me a while to realize and recognize that someone's choice to work here it's you know it's kind of my privilege to have them here not my right to have them here and there's no i'm doing them any favors and it really just took me a while to understand that to recognize that and to realize when i changed my focus to be on this concept actually i got better results i got better employees that that we wanted to get i got people more passionate about the role i got higher velocity in their work uh, and so just shifting the focus away from the company and to the individual i just found to be very very powerful based on again some ups and downs and prior experiences where perhaps i hadn't done that so well and you know we can never read enough books or listen to enough podcasts to prepare us it is the experience. You know, you can, yes, keep reading those books and keep listening to podcasts like this one, Gut Plus Science, but, you know, we have to go through those ups and downs. So, James, I always like to meet people where they're at. And let's start with a vulnerable side of you when it comes to the downs of like, you know, learning through the failures and failing forward to learn that leading is a privilege. Share with us a story or two or just that experience that you came from where it was like, okay, I'll never be leading like that again with uh, one of my prior companies and someone left unexpectedly as simple as that and i took some time to say hey you know number one i wish you the best of luck because i've always had that belief when someone leaves it's their time to leave whatever reason it's not for me to say why would you do that to me it's for me to say well amazing this is obviously the right move for you how can i be a supporter but i also asked him to spend time with me i wanted to understand why or what I could have done differently to keep him? Was it money? Was it environment? Was it growth? And and really what I recognized was that I took it for granted. And the minute you recognize it, everything changes. And that's what changed it for me. That's so good. Not taking it for granted because how some people, and I'll say myself, and early in my leadership journey, it was like, I was all about making sure that this person was doing what they needed to do to get the work done, right? Rather than 
What am I doing to meet them where they're at so that they have a great work experience and they get to the place that they need to go until they're ready to go to that next place, that next step in their career journey? And I think just a great first key takeaway is the learning that as a leader, we have precious time with our people, the amount of time, and it could be six months, it could be six years, but that amount of time where they were there to lead the greatest impact and hopefully help people use that workplace experience as a springboard to that next place, you know, and the, it'll all come back, right? We're all going to support each other no matter where we go, but just shifting that mindset to be, let's just say abundant, abundant in how we honor our employees in the journey. And what is it now? The average employee stays for, I think like two years, three years. And it's just so important to embrace the, the time we have and really not take that for granted. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'd love to know, you know, you're big on helping employees really own their career path. And it's so important to get employees on fire for their future rather than us as leaders, like painting, like, here's what you're going to do. And here's your next step. So I know you've got some magic around this. How do you inspire an employee's vision to plan their own career? So I think there's a couple of steps here. The first is, as you mentioned, it's not only hearing someone who leaves you talk about kind of their experience, but also having a little bit of the experience to actually hear them and make a change. And I would say that's actually the second big difference is you can hear a lot of feedback, but it takes a little bit of experience to reconcile that feedback, to root cause that feedback and kind of make a significant change in your own life. And so part of that concept of it's a privilege, not a right to hold someone also said, well, what am I or what can I be doing differently or what can I be doing better? It's And so we started looking at things. So, for example, when people join us and when they're going through the interview process, one of the first questions I ask, and I think this came from a book, I think it was The Alliance by Reid Hoffman. I was like, that's genius, where he asks them, hey, when you leave me in three years, where do you think you're going to go and what job do you think you're going to have? And I remember reading that and being like, oh my God, like I can't even imagine that concept. But essentially, we normalize leaving in our organization. We normalize the expectation that at some point you're going to be looking for your next step. And that next step, we hope will be with us, but it might not. So when people come and interview with us, I always ask, what do you expect next? And you get great insights. And what you find is many people we've interviewed kind of a stumped for a second because they've never had a chance to take stock of their life, their career path. It's always kind of just happened as a process. And so being hyper aware of what people want to be getting to, what their goals are, and making sure as an organization, we're starting to lead them or support them on those goals. So when they're thinking about a change, when they're getting bored in their role, whatever the answer might be, I can understand what it is I need to be doing to be able to retain and maintain that privilege to have their employment. And, you know, you mentioned with some of those questions that when you heard them kind of caught you off guard, like, wow, you're really asking these kinds of questions while I'm working here. And I think it's the muscle that we build as leaders to coach people and really get to the heart of like what really matters to them and help them be and feel psychologically safe to just bring their whole self and, and really where they're at so that we're meeting them where they are. And it, it's really through those coaching conversations. Talk a little bit about that. Like, what does that look like for you and maybe one-on-ones that you do or group sessions? Like how does coaching show up? Yeah, I think you nailed the word to feel safe. And for us, that's removing the awkwardness. And removing the awkwardness is talking about leaving, talking about your next milestone, talking about your goals, your growth, your journey. So in addition to kind of our 
performance reviews, as you would call them, we actually got rid of those. And instead, we just have consistent one-on-one conversations, which is I'm consistently looking to understand how you're doing, what you're doing, what you're looking at, what you're interested in. We had one the other day, and we do them both individually and in small groups. And we were on one last week. And randomly, and I'm not even sure how it came up, this conversation of who has a will came up. I don't think I started the conversation. Someone was talking about something regarding buying a house and a will and a trust. And we had this moment where we realized no one on the call had realized that financial planning is a critical component of their life planning because there is this misconception that you have to be rich to have a will. You have to be rich to financially plan. You have to be rich to uh, understand 401k or you know IRAs. And the answer is you don't. And so actually one of the outtakes from that call was why don't we find a financial advisor who can come in and talk to us about all of these things that in our head are reserved for wealth, but actually are not. And and so when you do these small items like that, what you find is people get really engaged because you're moving their life forward. Yes, the job is moving forward. They're getting paid. They're getting learning. They're getting education. But when you move someone's life forward, it has a dramatically larger impact on them. Totally. And that's, you know, for those that are listening and may hear a lot that, uh, you know, HR and leadership and many books now talk about like the whole human approach. And, And that's really what you're illustrating here is that I see a visual of a life wheel, you know, a circle and you cut it into pie pieces and each piece affects the other, right? You, you, it makes you whole, all of those things. And so if we can add deposits into the, into the buckets of the financial side and someone's able to sleep better at night because now they feel confident in the will that they have, they wake up with better sleep, more refreshed, more confident in their plan, right? And, and you, you can just perform better as an employee, but ultimately you're doing it to pour into that person. And so I just, I love that illustration. And I'd love to talk about some daily or weekly habits that you do that you might even kind of take for granted yourself that you're good at, like that you just, you just do them. They're just part of it. So, and it might even be, you know, how you do your one-on-one meetings and some of the habits in there or whatever, but what comes to mind in your leadership habits? So I think my leadership habits are consistently changing and iterating. And I'd like to say upgrading as I start to recognize, learn, or continue to be more aware of areas I can grow. So for me, I'm focusing on what it is I do great. And I always tell everyone in our organization, you know, if you're bad at something, why spend a lot of effort or time trying to, you know, double down on that? So if you're 10% good, if you double down, you're going to be 20% good. But if you're 90% good and you double down, you're going to hit that 100%. And so I really try and focus my time and my efforts and my energies on me and my teams on focusing on their strengths and doubling down on those strengths. Again, another recent example is some leadership coaching. We heard from one of our employees during a one-on-one that he believes his next role is going to be managing people. And I think a lot of companies take for granted that you can teach skills or competencies, but you cannot teach empathy. You cannot teach EQ. You cannot teach that when he goes to that interview, how is he going to show his strength? When someone says, well, you've had no leadership experience before, what makes you think you can do it here? So so we're starting that for him because that's something that he's going to need. And look, I'm hoping he stays here. I'm hoping we have the role with the manpower that he's going to be able to lead a team here but we might not just because of our size. And so I think for us, it's taking away this concept of what's in it for us as a company in the immediate. And instead, if we just double down and focus on our people, just at every single step of the way, we will win by default. I love that. You know what I just wrote down is 
really it's taking an agile strengths-based approach, you know, so always focused on the strengths, but then an agile methodology of like, try something, it works, or, you know, if it doesn't, let's just iterate, right. To get to that. It's a constant, and that's a habit in and of itself, which is reflecting, getting feedback, and then focusing on your strengths and getting better and making that a, a natural habit. And I think one of the best things we can do is have that really close person in our life, like a coach for ourselves as leaders or an accountability buddy that constantly helps us check in on what am I sharpening? What what did I sharpen this month to really hold our feet to the fire on that? So that, that's awesome. I love that. And also holding myself accountable, I think, is important. You know, we talk about the things that we're doing for our team members, but actually, who's giving me exactly, as you said, the feedback? Who's telling me, actually, this is an area where you can improve, or this is an area where X, Y, and Z. And so a lot of our time is also spent individually. And I think that's really important. I can tell you that a previous failure of mine, and probably still resonates at some point, is in meetings. You know, I'm kind of the Bigfoot that walks in. And when I'm in a meeting, it's my meeting, and I own it, and my way and blah, blah, blah. And actually it's not. And so over the past few years, really recognizing my presence in a meeting is to listen, you know, otherwise why do I have this team here? So I think that's important as well to recognize the leadership has to change and constantly iterate and also needs coaching. You know, I can't sit here and believe that I can solve everything for everybody else because I'm perfect because I think that's the first acceptance is actually where can I grow and what can I do for my own personal growth too? So good. And one of the things I just thought when you were sharing those examples is um, the importance of eliminating the ego, constantly working on that. All of us have to do it because we all have it. And um, how do we lessen that? And then as a privilege, being a leader, we, we have this privilege, I will commit to developing my own excellence. And what does that look like? I will have a coach. I will have a, an ability. It's just me showing up and you know bringing that abundance mindset or normalizing the leaving and all of these wonderful things, but constantly um, showing my people that I am committed to being excellent too. And I get feedback and I grow as well. Man, this episode in a short amount of time was very, very powerful. Just a wonderful conversation. And now we get to learn a little bit more about James and just the personal side. What is your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? It's been tough for me to get back into reading. So my favorite book of all time in my head is the next one I'm about to read. And that's been my motivation for reading more. And the one I'm about to start reading is Loon Shots. And then how about what is your favorite hobby when you're not working? It is usually something to do with my kids and animals, a farm, a sanctuary, an adoption center, something, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be miserable around puppies. And then how about your favorite vacation spot? <laughs> my honest answer is just a few hours of sleeping in, as any parent will attest to. My favorite vacation spot is my bedroom in my bed, totally alone with no one bothering me for just a minute. Awesome. And then James, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? So LinkedIn, James Sinclair, I'm on Twitter, search by name as well. I love to hear concepts uh, that we've talked about where people have excelled or also tried. I also like to hear people who disagree with me. So anyone who's got a perspective, I want to hear about it. Great episode with James Sinclair. I really enjoyed it. Here's my truth you can act on. Number one, normalize leaving. It's going to happen. People are going to leave your organization. And when it does, it should be celebrated. And, you know, we're helping humans to get to their next best place on this journey of life. And of course, 
if our opportunities together have maximized, that's key. We should be celebrating that journey. Number two, leverage coaching as a practice to get real. Go deeper in conversation, learning about each other, and spending time really getting to the real human side of us as people in our workplace uh, situations. Number three, take an agile, strengths-based approach to leadership. Try things, change things, and always keep it on the positive, uplifting side. And number four, commit to developing your own excellence as a leader. Leadership is a privilege, and we should never stop investing in our own growth, no matter what level we get to. That's a wrap. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.